Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast, informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cash News Podcast. This is episode number three, very exciting. Uh, And for the new listeners, which is everybody because it's a new podcast, uh, we'll be publishing the podcast every other Wednesday. Uh, At the very beginning, we'll have a couple back-to-back because we really want folks to understand what the podcast is about. Uh, but going forward, it'll be every other Wednesday and anywhere you can find podcasts, you can subscribe and like. I am super excited to be joined, as always, with my very famous and amazing co-host, Sean Ferrari. I was Sean? wondering who that was going to be. So, hey, everybody, it's Sean Ferrari here, and I am thrilled, as always, to be on here with Tom. And thanks for listening to episode three. We've got a couple interesting things on on topic for today. So thanks for joining us. It's been a, a good week. Sorry if you hear my dog in the background every now and then. He seems to be barking today, so apologize for that. But Tom, I'll let you uh, kind of kick off some topics here, and we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, so we're we're going to talk about some digital payments and some things that have been in the news recently in risk, and then we're also going to talk about the Federal Reserve's, and I probably won't have the name right, Diary of Consumer Payment Choice Survey, which really talks about what's going on. And if I if I butchered the name. Sean, I'll take care of it. (laughs) I think we'll start, Sean. Why don't don't you give kind of your thoughts? Yeah. So just recently, a couple of weeks ago, when by the time this this airs, the Fed has released their 2021 findings from the Diary of Consumer Payment Choice. Um, It is a mouthful of a name. And they presented this work kind of annually at a lot of our events. I think a lot of our listeners are somewhat familiar with it, but it's a a diary study as a name would would imply. And it really tries to capture the spending behavior of of U.S. consumers um, over a a couple week period. They record everything in diary. and, And while everybody knows it's not the perfect way to figure out who's spending on what, it's one of the best ways, I guess, to do it. And it's just a, an inexact science, but nonetheless, there's, it's been going on for so many years that the trending that comes out of it is, is pretty useful and, and interesting. So this is just a quick look at it. Um, the Fed will obviously be putting out more information as time goes on, but just a couple of the highlights, I think, as we've gone through the pandemic, that's what it really looks like. What did cash use do as we've gone through this pandemic? What they found was, as most people would kind of expect, it took a, a dip going through the, the pandemic. And these aren't the overall cash and circulation numbers. Those continue to rise. This is how consumers are using it, right? So essentially, the top line, right, would be that the number of transactions is overall down, actually, um, of all transactions that consumers make on a on a given day, particularly the small value payments under $25 declined 26% that were made on a, on a daily basis. So transaction level is down. So you'd expect to see cash drop off with that, particularly in that small dollar range, right? And that's what they saw. Cash use accounted for 19% of all payments, uh, which is seven percentage points lower from the 2019 level, which again, when you think about pandemic spending, as we've talked about in our various virtual conferences and stuff is in line with what you would expect. People are out and about less, there's less face-to-face interaction, there's less cash use. What's really interesting, though, is another aspect in this report is 
how much consumers hold, right? And we, we know cash and circulation is increasing. So if they're not spending it, they must be holding it, right? Um, which is actually what survey, I feel like I'm on Family Feud survey says. What the survey says here is that um, the amount of cash held in people's wallets went up from $20 in 2019 to $74 in 2020. And that's a pretty huge increase. Uh, I'd be interested to see, well, with all this data, but particularly on this one, kind of what happens in future future releases of the of the data. That's just a very large thing. I don't know if it's people are going to ATMs less or going out less to banks, so they're taking more out when they do go out and they're just holding it for when they spend it. I don't know. That's the initial thought I have on it. Maybe some of it is, is just because of the instability and in the inherent in the world people are holding a little more i'm not sure but we'll see how that number evolves i mean i guess just the the last one and then see if tom you have any thoughts on this stuff the total value this is kind of the counter of what we've been talking about so the cash numbers dropped but the total value of they're calling it not in-person spending so digital spending or i, I don't know it, i'm sure there's a reason it's being called not in-person spending and maybe we'll we'll get somebody on here to talk about that from the fed <laughs> at some point but the non-in-person spending went up from 110 dollars to 212 dollars from 2019 to 2020 so pretty much almost doubled so that's a lot of online spending right there that which again Again, this all makes sense. I mean, this, and I guess that's a nice thing about it. The data does kind of gel with the underlying story of what's been happening throughout the pandemic, but we do have some numbers behind it now. So just wanted to share that with our listeners. Yeah, I have a couple of points. One, and I'll start backwards, right? What you were just talking about with consumer, the, the doubling in the spend. There are a lot of things related to COVID that circumstantial that when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. For instance, remote learning impacted significantly. If you tried to buy a Chromebook or a laptop in the middle of last year, you couldn't find it because everybody who didn't have it and, and every school district doesn't. Do it. So that drove an online boost. A lot of consumer electronics drove an online boost. And then while I understand, because I actually experienced it myself, is that you had this boom in home improvement. So you look at Lowe's and you look at Home Depot and their online penetration and their sales going through the roof because people were at home and even the folks that got furloughed and weren't working were saying, this is a time for me to paint my house, fix my stairs, do these things. So there was an influx of spending um, and we're kind of lucky in, from an economic standpoint because it helped keep some of the economic pillars up. So there's a lot of online stats. And you know when you think about people who bought their groceries in cash and then went to an online bridge, so there were a lot of those things that occurred. I think the verdict is out and certainly from um, all the surveys and all the studies of how much of that will stay consistent. There was, in fact, and has been for many years, this digital transformation and online sales or e-com sales were continuing to grow uh, incrementally. And I think that COVID accelerated that. I don't necessarily believe that that will stay the same. I think people do like to go out and see people. This is obviously just my opinion, but we're also starting to see consumer trends and spending, where markets are opening up, going back to store. And if you go globally, you can actually see some countries that are in different places where mm -hmm. entertainment and those things are coming back in a big way. And a lot of those are cash spends. There were two things that I really thought were interesting. And you you hit on one of them is cash in pocket. And I think it's it's important or cash on person and you're not necessarily in pocket, the money that you took out of the bank, right? Is that the actual movement of money is not down. It's the consumer payment kind of piece of it. So there is some level of people are holding on to this cash. They're taking it out and holding on to it, or they might be using it for things that aren't really consumer register driven, like home improvement and things of that nature. And I know personally, I have more cash than I've ever had because I, I am 
I'm one of those people, although I'm working where we're doing things around the house and I find myself paying people in cash, you know, and, and so it just happened. I didn't go to the bank and hoard money and hide it under the bed. I'm comfortable the bank's going to be there. I'm, I'm comfortable that my money's safe, but I have personally taken more out. And I got to believe, I always think of myself, you know, we never ordered groceries online before we did, and we no longer do. So for three months that we did, and now we go back to the grocery store. So I, I look at the way myself and people around me shop, as well as the studies, it's the same thing with, you know, I don't believe next year that I'll have every single possible thing done to the house because, uh, you know, my wife is home and the kids are home and someone's always home, even when I was moving around. So I think those play a role in, in the survey. The one thing I will say that we all have to be aware of is the number of, of cash transactions, what that will look like in the future, because, and this goes to our next leg of the conversation, these digital payments, the Venmos of the world, the PayPals, the Zella, the cash apps of the world have really accelerated to capitalize on the opportunity to say, you, you don't, you don't want to touch money. And we, We've covered this, I think, in the first episode, and I know we'll talk about it again, that irrational fear of money that, you know, you're going to get sick from it. I don't actually even think that was the case. I think it was a convenience piece and these apps really took advantage of it. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, Sean, and, and is just recently there was some news, and I wouldn't say it's new news. I just think a couple of major news outlets picked it up of the risk of using Cash App, Zella, Venmo. They did not really speak specifically to PayPal on this. They spoke heavily about Zella and, and the cash app and Venmo. And they highlighted some cases where they actually talked to consumers that were basically scammed. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. It wasn't necessarily a technical deficiency. In two of the instances, they talked about someone representing themselves on the phone as an employee of Cash App and convincing the person to transfer money. So while absolutely Cash App was the method of the transfer, that it wasn't, Cash App didn't create the risk. What it does highlight though, is that hackers and bad actors are just like we are. They're paying attention to the news and they're switching their mode of operation because they can. And they're saying, this is an audience that I can target. And this is a relatively, and this isn't, don't, I don't, take this the wrong way. It's an, it, we don't have a ton of historical data. We're not all experts on, on these apps and they're, everybody's not super educated on them because they started using them a couple months ago, but it was picked up by the Associated Press. So there was a whole bunch of examples of customers that, and, and by name, you know, interviewing them, tricked into uh, transferring money by someone posing as a cash app customer service thing. So in my professional opinion, as a, a risk person, I'm not sure that, that that if that hacker approached it as a representative of a physical bank, that there wouldn't be a same result. Because with social engineering, social engineering is you know what you would call con artists today, someone that goes in, their goal in life is to convince you there's someone else to do something. That same person is the same person that's going to convince you to do a wire transfer. What it does highlight for us in the cash app world is if you get this app as a consumer or as a business person, understand what the risks are, understand what your fraud protection is. So if you're not using it all the time, do you actually need it? Do you have it linked to your main bank account or do you have a second bank account? Because with these, even if there are strong fraud protections, there's a lot of time that goes by and it's taking money from your bank. And this is, I think we touched on this last time, Sean, it cracks me up, is the bank still exists. It's just a conduit of a digital payment. So it's very much like credit cards were. And then in this particular write-up, they also talked about Zella and um, someone who had a Bank of America account that they transferred you know, money out. And this was a little different. This particular instance was someone was able to spoof their phone phone 
still a social engineering piece, still someone had to convince someone to do anything and transferred money out of their account. What was highlighted heavily in the article, and again, this is this was an article that was written not by me, was the fact that Zella pointed them back to the bank. And by the way, that's not uncommon with anything that works as an intermediate. What I would say there is the same piece of advice is that understand what fraud protections are available for you and understand what your use case is. So I use a lot of digital payments and I use Venmo all the time. And Venmo has a pretty strong process to protect its consumers. But I will also tell you that I don't have Venmo linked to my debit card or bank account. I have it linked to a credit card because I don't want the potential problem of someone taking all of my money out of my bank account. I'd much rather it go from her. And I would rather pay the fee to have the convenience and the protection. But that's a choice I made based on, I'm not assuming there'll be a problem. So there are ways to protect yourself as consumers when you directly collect something to your bank, understand that someone could nefariously directly remove money. And even if you're able to get that money back, as you can see, like if you read these articles, the amount of time, aggravation, and anxiety that it creates, especially in this today, day and age, like I don't know, uh, you know, the listener base, this one lady with the Zello, she, she, there was $15,000 taken a ring out. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of cash that's in your bank account. It's not a, you're not disputing a credit card claim now. You're literally looking at your bank account and going, wow, I had $18,000. Now I have three. So I think all it really serves to is that when we have these transitions to digital payments, and we'll talk about this a lot, your digital risk is different, right? It is different. And so think through just signing up for every cool app that's out there might not be the best methodology, especially if you're not using them. I've used most of these apps, but I also take a little bit second of a look at it. And it's not because I'm paranoid. You know, my pay, I've had PayPal since PayPal came open. It's a link to a different account. It's just the way that I want to protect myself. And it took a little bit more time up front, but there are a lot of ways to do this. I would say that in, a, in this article, the, the quote that was given by a cybersecurity expert, and I'm not necessarily in full agreement, was the easiest way to protect yourself is just not to use any of these apps. So the next thing that was said, if you're using apps like Venmo and Cash App, a real simple solution is to not use your primary bank account. Exactly what I just talked about. So the reason that that was paid is Zella is a conduit to bank accounts. And Venmo and Cash App actually withdraw money and put it in there. So they are different in the way they operate. So opting out, if you're using something, obviously isn't an option. It isn't actually that much worth to get another bank account and have a supplementary account. It doesn't cost anything anymore. So you know, my advice to everybody that's listening is if you want to use these digital payment apps, which I use myself, take the 15 minutes to open another account and keep money in there for those. And that virtually eliminates your risk of someone getting to your main account. Plain and simple, that that eliminates that risk factor of potentially someone getting to it. But what everybody should really think about is when we talk about consumer trends, you know, when you hear the reports of cash usage is down and people are using this, what we often don't hear is all of the things that occur when that happens, the fraud exposures for the merchant, the fraud exposures for the, the consumer. And I'm not at all in advising anybody to not use e-com. It's just, it isn't as simple as today I pay with a $5 bill and tomorrow I pay with an app. There are definitely things that occur that have to be taken into consideration for all the folks involved. And 
uh, you know, retailers assume a much greater risk in some cases with digital payments and they have to process differently. It's a different risk than if they take in a lot of cash. So it's more about education. And that's really what the podcast is about, education and talking through it. Sean, any any thoughts yeah. on this? Your, your last point, it's about the education, right? And, and awareness. And I think, you know, you mentioned open another account. Another thing is just pay attention, right? I mean, it's just like a, a lot of cases, these electronic payments, and we've talked about this too, are replacing checks and even more so than cash in, in some cases. And same sort of fraud can occur, right? You balance your checkbook at the end of the month, or a lot of people do, some people don't. People can easily forge account numbers on checks or take your account numbers on checks and use them and, and defraud you. The only way you catch that is by checking your account statement at the end of the month. At least with some of these apps, you, at least the ones I'm using with the, the Venmos and the Zells and that sort of thing, you do typically, I think every time, get an email from your bank that says $40 was you know withdrawn, blah, blah, blah. You, there is this email chain. Now, I'm sure those can be, I don't know, hacked or, or what have you. But if you've got that notification set up, you can at least, yes, somebody can go in and take some money, but you'll, in theory, be notified of it um, pretty quickly. But then it's on you as the consumer to do something. But there's this kind of awareness. I think the other one is, you know, I just don't make a habit of storing money in the virtual wallet, if you will, of them, right? Whether it's coming from a credit card or from a bank account, if I get any sizable balance um, sitting in a, in a Venmo account or whatever, I tend to transfer that and push it back to a bank account just because there's that extra layer. I don't know, just just some things. But yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, a lot of this is is bad actors and whether they're counterfeiters on the currency side or folks that are going to try to get your checking account numbers from your checks. It's just a, another channel. Um, and as you say, we have to figure out and make sure people are aware of it because these things are are cool. I know when, when somebody comes over and, you know, it's a different service provider than I've used and I really don't want to go write a check and they're just kind of like, oh, well, do you have this? I can accept this as a form of payment. It's kind of easy then to just say, all right, fine, sure, I'll download it. I'll pay you with it. But you haven't done all that research that you just talked about. And now it's sitting on your phone linked to something and you have to remember to go back and secure that. Anyway, this is the new world, a lot of new challenges. And as you say, that's what this podcast is for, to talk about this stuff and share some stories of what's happening and some ideas on on the way forward. So great topic, Tom. I think you hit the nail on the head and it was a great analogy to talk about checks because if you went back 30, 40 years ago, all of the things that you're seeing with these apps were based, check-based, people figuring out how to wash checks, people figuring out how to reprint them. People, and so this is just kind of the evolution of the bad guy evolving with the technology. And it's such a great analogy of these are replacing checks. So that doesn't necessarily mean it replaces some of the same challenges as you had before. It's a super good analogy. And I remember when I started my career where check fraud was still a real thing. Now it's people don't use as many checks, so you don't see it as much, but it was that thing of like, is this a wash check? Like this looks bleached, like all of those things that a reprint. So yeah, it, it's, you hit the nail on the head there. So I think- I mean, it, it, it really blows my mind, right? When you think about everybody's so concerned about, oh my God, I have to give you my account number. Do I really want to do yeah. this? We need to secure that. And you think about all the information that's on a paper check that you just hand yeah. to people. You got yeah. everything. You got my name, phone number, address, account number, routing number. Yeah. It's all right there. Enjoy. So yeah, and, and you're 100% right. Like, you know, it, I don't want to put my bank account in this app, but for years I was comfortable with leaving it with someone. The routing number and bank, same exact information that I need to do to link this. And arguably, let's be honest, putting leaving a check with someone, there's a lot more that can go wrong than putting in an app has heavily encrypted. And and so yeah, you're you're down there. And then 
to top it off the name and address and everything else. I remember at one point people were writing like their driver's license numbers yeah. on checks. And I'm just like, man, this is like an identity theft dream. Like I have everything I need and all I need to do is do a little research to find out your birthday. And I know everything about you and I can actually do something. So yeah, another fantastic point. I still do. Yesterday, we we had to pay someone with a check. So I still write checks and I had to find the checkbook. And I was like, man, can I pay you in advance? And the guy's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'd much rather just pay you for a year in advance because <laughs> Like, I don't, we don't write checks. And I'm like, you can't take any, and so it's funny, you can't take a digital payment. Like, this is nuts. And I will tell you that I've always had kind of this aversion of handing a paper check always made me uncomfortable because of my past. Because it's like someone can take a picture of it. It can get lost and, you know, you lose, you lose control of it. Before I wrap up, I'll, I'll say this because it's important to say these apps are very safe. I mean, they really, in real, in real theory, uh, Sean's point really brings me back to your account number in Vemo is probably, not probably, is 1000% safer than on a check in a retailer's driving. From a professional standpoint, the level of encryption, the level of things they do really does make it a lot safer than someone potentially could drop that check on the floor or, you know, something along those lines. And that's why you, I I know modern day check taking, a lot of retailers don't keep your checks, but if they do, it's a really good thought. And I want to make sure I I highlight because I don't want to leave the false and sense of that. I think these apps are bad or unsafe. I actually think they are safe. And much like I always say, you'll find that I use probably all of them at one point. And, you know, it's just the way it works. And Sean, all of your points were so great of, you know, when someone comes up and says, hey, you can pay me like this, you know, it's really easy. And I mean, we had a party for my son's birthday and we rented an ice cream truck and he said, I take Venmo, cash or PayPal. And he said, I could even take credit cards, but I, you know, I have to pay a fee. That's the real world. And, you know, that's, that's where we're at. He actually said, I prefer Venmo over cash because then, you know, I, it's easier for me. So um, I think those are all things that we're seeing, but I, I do also believe fully, and it's not just because we're on the Cash News podcast, that um, I don't think there's any chance that in our lifetimes, cash will go away. And I, I, I'm not going to predict what's going to happen in 300 years. So like, I, I can't, if I could, then I probably wouldn't be on the Cash News podcast. So I'm really- yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's just to underscore that it's important to note that, yeah, as we talk about all this, and all these things are increasing, so is cash and circulation. So don't be thinking that it's doom and gloom on the cash side, because while it might not be used the way we used to use it, it's still yeah. clearly being used absolutely More to come yeah. on that but yeah and stay tuned we're definitely going to talk about in the future some countries and places that have tried to eliminate or lower cash usage and some of the things that occurred and every time it's really happened it, it has created more harm than good and so there's always kind of this balanced approach so with that i i wanted to say thank you to all the listeners and please like, subscribe, you know, look for us. We are on all the platforms. We're on LinkedIn. You go to thecashnews.com and you can find out all of those things. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Cash News Podcast. We hope you found this episode insightful. Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.